Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, growing in faith and friendship. Luke chapter 12 and verses 35 to 38. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak. Great. So we continue now a series entitled Parables Jesus Told, where we look at those parables, those pointed stories, those stories that make a point within Luke's gospel. And today we're looking at Luke chapter 12 and verses 35 to 38, where Jesus tells the parable, the very short parable of the serving master. Now within this parable, the master clearly represents Jesus, God. And the servants represent Jesus' disciples, his followers, and, and that includes us. And the parable starts quite abruptly in verse 35, where Jesus says to his disciples, says to his followers, including us, Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. Be dressed and ready, ready for service. Now, literally, in, in the Greek, it says, uh, let your waist be girded. Let your waist be belted. In other words, let your, your robe be belted up or, or have your robe tucked up into your belt. Now, we need to remember that in, in that culture and in that very hot climate, both men and women wore these very long robes. They were loose-fitting, they didn't have a belt, and they would reach all the way down to the ground. And so it was very impractical. It was very difficult to do any kind of strenuous activity in them. And in order to do any activity, you had to, first of all, tie a rope or a belt around your waist, and then you would tuck your coat, your, your, your robe up into your belt so it wouldn't trip you up, so you could do some kind of activity. Today, we might say something like, roll up your sleeves or put on your apron. And this phrase, uh, tuck your robe into your belt, was, was used quite often in the Old Testament. One example is in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 46, where it says, The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his coat, cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. So he tucks his robe into his belt in order to be able to run, in order to be able to do strenuous activity. But this phrase of tucking your robe into your belt would have reminded the original hearers and readers of the Passover meal. That the meal they ate just before God rescued them from slavery in Egypt. So we read in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 11, it says, This is how you are to eat it, with your coat Cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, your staff in hand, eat in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. So they were told to eat the Passover with their robes tucked into their belt because they needed to be ready to travel. They needed to be ready to do strenuous activity. 
But more so, and very importantly, they needed to be ready for God's deliverance. God was about to rescue them from, from slavery in Egypt, and they needed to be ready to act. They needed ready to respond to whatever their master asked them to do. And we also told in verse 35 that they needed to keep their lamps burning. It's only if you've lived without electricity and without any battery-operated torches that you know how difficult it is to light an oil lamp in the dark. You know, scrambling around trying to find the wick, knocking over the oil. I mean, it's a nightmare. Having your, your, your lamp burning, now of course in the Middle East, a lamp was uh, just a wick floating in a little source oil bowl. And uh, so to keep that burning, you need to make sure that you're awake and you're continually able to refill it with oil. If you didn't keep refilling it, it would go out. So the, the phrase, keeping your lamps burning, was a picture of readiness. Readiness, being ready to leap into action and respond to whatever your master asked you to do, even if it was very late at night. So this whole parable is set at night, but why is it set at night? Well, we read in verse 36, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. Ah, so the master is at a wedding banquet at night and, and the servants are waiting at home for him to return. Now, the word waiting is probably not the best word to use here uh, because the word waiting, the English word waiting is quite passive like waiting for a bus, whereas the Greek word has got a sense of anticipation and excitement. You just can't wait for it. You're looking forward to it. The real sense, like you, you're waiting to go on holiday. There's a real sense of excitement and anticipation. And so, and so these servants are eagerly waiting for their master to return. There's excitement. They can't wait for him to return. But why would servants be excited about their master returning? And the word return equally is probably misleading. It's probably not the best word to use because the word return gives you the idea that the, the wedding banquet is over, that it's finished, and all the guests are returning home. But it's highly unlikely that this wedding banquet is over, that it's finished. Uh, wedding banquets in that culture would go on for days, sometimes weeks. And they would never end. They would never stop in the middle of the night. They would never send their guests home in the middle of the night. It's too dangerous. You'll get robbed. They would always wait for daylight in the middle of the day before they end and send the guests home so they can get home safely. So a, a better word than, than return is probably that he withdraws, he, he departs, or even he slips out while the wedding is still going on. Why would he slip out while the party is still in full swing? I mean, it's pretty strange, right? But something even more strange is that we told he knocks. It says he, he knocks. Why does he knock on his own door? In that culture, no one knocks on their door. 
Only a stranger, only someone you don't know would knock on the door. A friend or a relative would never knock, they would call. Hey, Joe, it's me, open up. And then when you recognize the voice, you would let the person in. So why does he, the owner, knock on his own door? Well, the the only idea could be that he doesn't want his voice to be echoing around the residence. You see, it's most likely that the master is hosting the wedding banquet in his great big house. Because it's highly unlikely that he's going to leave the premises in the middle of the night. It's too dangerous. And so it's most likely he's hosting in his big house and in his large houses they would have a, a public area and then they would have private quarters, separate private quarters. And so it seems that he slipped out of the public wedding and he slipped back to his private quarters and so he doesn't want his voice to be heard echoing through the residency, residence announcing to everyone that he's been, he's absent from the wedding. So he merely knocks on the door, knowing that his servants are eagerly expecting him and they will open the door immediately. But why is he slipping out of the party while it's still in full swing? And why are these servants excited about his return, his arrival? Well, verses 37 and 38 start to answer those questions. And we read in verse 37, it says, It would be good for those servants who whose master finds them watching when he comes. And when it says servants, the, the Greek there is literally, the Greek says doulos, which is literally slave. So within a, an ancient household, you had many levels of servants. You would have the household manager, you would have your stewards, you would have your, your regular permanent staff, you would have your day laborers, and then right at the bottom, you have slaves. These were the lowest of the low. And it's to these slaves, to the lowest of the low, that this master comes to. And it says it'll be good for those servants whose master finds them watching. And when it says watching, it's implying that they're awake, they're alert, they are eagerly waiting for him. They've got their robes tucked into the belt, they've got their their, their, um, oil lamps burning, and they're excited for him to come. And it says if the master finds them like that, it will be good for them. It it literally says... um, They are blessed. They are blessed. And when it says they're blessed, it doesn't mean, doesn't merely mean that one day in the future when the master rewards them, then they will be blessed. No, it means they are blessed now in the present. Even though they're still a slave and the lowest of the low, they are already blessed now in the present. Why? Why Why are they blessed now? Why is it good for them now? Well, here comes the answer to all our questions. And, and this is the, the, probably the most surprising, the most shocking thing of the whole parable, and it comes right in the center of the parable. It comes in between the middle of, of verses 37 and 38. So between verses 37 and 38, there are three lines. There are two lines in verse 37, one line in verse 38. And as you'll see, uh, the first line and the third line are virtually word for word exactly the same. It'll be good for those servants whose master finds them watching. 
Word for word, exactly the same. And then in between line one and line three comes, well, well, line two, obviously. Okay, so line two. So line two is the middle, is the center. It's the center of the whole parable. It's the climax of the whole parable. It's the point of the whole parable. And so we're going to focus in on that. So this is line two. This is the center. And it starts with Jesus saying, truly I tell you. Now, whenever Jesus says, truly, I tell you, it means he's trying to get your attention. I mean, he doesn't have to say, truly, I tell you. He could just tell you. (laughs) The fact that he's come and said, truly, I tell you, he's trying to get your attention. He's trying to warn you that he's about to say something very important and shocking. And he says, he, now this is the master, this is the owner, he will dress himself to serve. Wow. He, the master, is going to tuck his robe into his belt. He's going to roll up his sleeves. He's going to put on his apron to serve. And he will have them recline at the table and he will come and he will wait on them. He will tell his slaves, the lowest of the low, to recline at the, at the table. You see, in that culture, you didn't sit at a table to eat a meal. You would recline on your left elbow and you would eat with your right hand. And he tells them to recline at his table. And then he, he's dressed like a servant. He dresses like a servant and he serves them food. Wow. I mean, that is completely countercultural. You see, slaves know their place. Can you imagine the resistance the slaves must have put up? Like, no, 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 what? What? No way. We can't, we can't recline at your table. No, no. What? You're going to do what? No, you can't serve us. No, we serve you. You, you. No, no, this is wrong. Can you imagine that? And what's the master? Where did the master get the food from? I mean, there's no hint here of him scurrying around, trying to prepare something. There's no hint even of a delay. He, he, feed, he serves him immediately. So he must have brought the food with him. Where did he get the food? From the wedding banquet? Okay, so now the whole parable starts making sense. The master, the owner, is in the wedding banquet in the middle of the night, and suddenly he remembers his slaves. And so he slips out with a tray of the best bits of food, slips out, goes back to his private quarters. He then dresses himself like a servant and makes his slaves sit down at the table and he serves them himself so that they can share and participate in the wedding banquet. Now tell me, is there any culture in any part of the world where such a dramatic act is not shocking. But that's the God we serve. The God who comes to us and serves us. The God who who slips out of a wedding banquet with a tray of food and comes to us and dresses like a slave himself and serves us so that we can enjoy and participate in the wedding banquet with him. No wonder it says that these servants are blessed because they serve a master who slips out of wedding banquets and gives them food and serves them because he loves them. And no wonder they are excited and waiting with anticipation because their master is always full of surprises. And that is the God we serve. 
What unbelievable and dramatic and costly, unexpected love. What amazing self-emptying love. The master identifies with the slaves, the lowest of the low, and then he actually serves them himself. This self-emptying love, can you imagine how it would have changed the slave's perception of their master? Do you think they could ever look at him the same after doing that? And it would have changed the slave's perception of themselves, their own self-worth, that their master would do this for them. And that's how much God loves you. And that's what God does for you. This parable is essentially about God coming to us. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to us God came to us in the person of Jesus and he identified with us and he came and he served us and he died for us. Jesus says in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, he says that he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for us. He came, he identified with us, he served us, he died for us because he loves us and he wants us to participate in the wedding banquet with him for all eternity. And when Jesus took that Passover meal with his disciples, and when we take communion, we remember that Jesus came. We remember that self-emptying love of Jesus. But this parable also talks about Jesus' second coming. He's going to come back and he's going to serve us again and he's going to demonstrate that self-emptying love for us again. Because he wants us to enjoy that heavenly banquet, that, that wedding banquet with him for all eternity. You see, the, in, in the Bible, the wedding banquet is a symbol of experiencing and enjoying eternal life with Jesus. And so every time we take communion, it's also a foretaste of that heavenly banquet that we will enjoy and share with Jesus for all eternity. But when's that going to happen? When is Jesus going to return? Well, we read in verse 38, and you remember verse 38 was virtually word for word exactly the same as verse 37, excepting for a little extra bit at the end. And so it says, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, and then comes a little extra bit, even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak. And literally in the Greek, it says, even if he comes at the second watch or the third. The, the, the evening was broken into three watches. The second watch was from 10 p.m. until 2 a.m. in the morning, the midnight shift. And then the third watch was from 2 a.m. in the morning until sunrise, the graveyard shift. And so the, the, the implication over here is that it's going to take a long, long time before the master returns. And so basically what it's saying is we don't know when Jesus is going to return. We simply don't know. And the point is that we just need to make sure that we are ready and waiting with great anticipation 
It's going to take a long, long time, so we need to make sure we are continually ready and waiting with great anticipation for our Master to return. The implication, of course, those servants who weren't ready and waiting, who didn't have their robes tucked in, who didn't have their their lamps burning, missed out. They simply missed out. The master came, uh, and when he gave them and he gave them food and served them, they just weren't there. They missed out. Make sure you don't miss out. Make sure that you are ready and waiting with anticipation. Practically, what does it mean to have our robes tucked into our belts and our lamps burning? It means that we are ready and available to do whatever God wants us to do. It means effectively saying to God, here I am, I'm your servant, ready to do whatever you want me to do. I'm not going to live for myself, I'm going to live for you. Here I am, I'm available. And if you are prepared to say that to God, if you are prepared to tuck your robe into your belt, if you are prepared to have your lamp burning, then you are blessed. Right now, you are blessed. You might still feel like a slave, you might still feel like the low of the lowest, but you are blessed because you will be able to receive that self-emptying love of God and God will be able to sneak out of that wedding banquet with a tray of food and come and serve you because He loves you, He wants a relationship with you, And he wants you to enjoy that heavenly wedding banquet with him for all eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we as we look at this 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 parable, we we are just blown away about your surprising, crazy, self-emptying love. Just the picture we get of, of, of someone who's prepared to sneak out of a wedding banquet and sneak into the living quarters just because he loves. He slaves so much and he wants a relationship with them and he wants to serve them. That, he, that you come and you serve us, that you wash our feet, that you die for us. Father, we just, it just blows us away that you value us that much, that you love us that much and that you so badly desire a relationship with us. Father, help us to receive that love, your love. And help us to allow that love to come into us and and motivate us and transform us and enable us to be that servant that you desire, who's ready and waiting with our robes tucked in and our lamps burning. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk